Now we're in our first week of our new series, which is looking at spiritual battles in the physical world. Now we're going to be kind of just exploring what it means. You know, so often in traditional churches, we tend to think about Holy Spirit and the spiritual realm, like just a bit around Easter, maybe a little bit after Easter, Pentecost especially. And then mostly we tend to forget about it. We let it ride. But what we found out last week in the last message of last, last series is that we all have spiritual gifts. God has actually given us spiritual gifts. And what does that actually mean? We must actually understand that there is a spiritual realm, there's a spiritual world, and they intersect together. We live both in our physical world and in our spiritual world. We fight battles within our lives, with both within the physical world and also within the spiritual world. Paul says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So he's already saying, you know, it's, it's not just this earthly place but it is the spiritual realm we fight battles and it is against the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places therefore put on every piece of god's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle, you will be able to stand firm. See, we actually do live in a world both of spiritual and physical battles. We often hear conversations. You might you know, look up things of spiritual warfare. You know, and I think it's really interesting because so often people talk about spiritual warfare and that comes with it an understanding and connotation about ongoing fighting one after the other that this this ongoing battle but when we talk about spiritual battles they're the discrete moments the discrete points in time warfare is ongoing and our spiritual battles that we have are those discrete moments in time when we may fight when we may struggle so in order for us to actually understand What are some of our spiritual battles that really manifest itself in our physical world? The first thing I want to kind of ask you is have you ever been overcome by fear when you wanted to do something? You know, say, say you, you know, wanted to go out and, you know, and, and both Annette and I have done this, We've stood on the edge of a perfectly good bridge with a big rubber band wrapped around our ankles and jumped off. <laughs> now, was there a sense of fear in that? Annette's nodding at me going, yes, there definitely was. Um, we have this very funny video um, of both of us doing it. And uh, you know, if you happen to ask Annette, she might be able to show you. But don't ask me because I shouldn't do that. Um, but, you know, 
hasn't to say that we both responded differently, but there's a sense of fear that is there. You're standing on the edge. And it was a very funny thing because, you know, I was standing on the edge and they, they have this big heavy rubber band that, rubber band, it's a, it's a rope made of lots of strands of rubber. But um, they have it there and then you're standing right on the edge, you're wrapped up to it, you're, you're in there and then they drop it off the edge. They kind of let go of it. And you can feel a jolt there and you go, oh, careful, I might fall. And then suddenly it dawned on me, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I have to overcome my fear of jumping off this bridge. I did overcome it. I jumped off the bridge and so did Annette. We, all, we both overcome our fear here. But I actually want to ask you this question. What do you think people fear in Australia now? What do you think they fear? And it's interesting because I've actually got a top 10 list and this is a generational list. So you actually have to think about this is a list for Generation Y. Now they're the people who were born in the 1980s up to the early, around the early 2000s. And here's the top 10 fears they have. Um, so top 10 fears. The first one. It may not be what you thought. It's losing people who are close to them. That's what Younger, you know, our 20-year-olds fear now losing people who are close to them. Second on the list is failure, then loneliness. Is, is this kind of striking a bell with anybody? Do you fear these things? Because it's generational. You might be fearing something else. You might have placed something up higher. Um, losing physical ability. Disappointing others, rejection, losing your freedom. Now this one might be the one that a lot of people may be fearful of, death. You know, physical pain, terrorism. It's interesting because this is Australian. You know, you go and you, you, you go and Google other things, you know, Google search other things, and you'll go to a different part of the world and they will have a different top ten fear. You probably have different fears in your life as well. And what I want you to understand is that when we look at these, these top ten fears of our younger generation in Australia, we actually find that the top fears are all re related to their identity. And the fear of losing their identity both as an individual and as a group. See, fear is a part of us all and it cripples us and it stops us from doing what God actually wants us to do in our life. And it's something that we need to look at to actually understand it's a spiritual battle that is going on in your life when fear takes over from doing God's will. That's the spiritual battle. The easiest way to see this fear is, is when somebody asks you, what did you do on the weekend? And if you're afraid to say, well, actually, I went to church, then there's a spiritual battle going on right there and there. Because if you're afraid to say that you're a Christian and that you went to church and that you enjoyed worship and that you, you, you spent time with fellow believers and you looked at the Bible and you were afraid of that, then there is a spiritual battle raging inside of you. 
Fear is healthy. Let me say this. Fear is healthy. It's not something to be pushed aside and go, don't be fearful. Fear is healthy. It it stops us from going into dangerous situations. It's actually there to help protect us from harm. But when fear stops us from doing our everyday, stops us from doing the will of God in our life, then it is a spiritual battle that is inside of us. And it's manifesting itself in our physical world. It's a battle for your heart. It's a battle for control over who you are. Now, I want you to um, kind of understand how we can kind of deal with this spiritual battle of fear. And we're going to go all the way back into the Old Testament, into Judges. And we're going to be looking in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And it's actually the story of Gideon. Now, the story of Gideon from the Old Testament gives us an interesting insight into the spiritual battles that we have when we are fearful, especially fearful in a task that God has given us to do. See, the story begins with an angel appearing to Gideon to give him the fearful task of of leading Israel into battle against the Midianites. See, Gideon was actually hiding from the Midianites because they were kind of like a marauding um, army and they would pillage everything, burn things down and take everything they wanted. So if we just jump into Judges 6 verses 12 and 15, you can kind of see this and I'll put it up on the screen for you. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, this is to Gideon, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, wouldn't you feel, you know, kind of built up if God came and appeared to you and said, you mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? See, Here's Gideon going, well, our situation doesn't kind of seem that God is actually with us. How can God be with me if God's not with the people and we're we're being taken over by these other people? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. There's a big, fearful task. There's a big task that the Lord is asking Gideon to do. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. In other words, he's saying, I'm small, I'm insignificant. Why are you sending me? Don't do this, I'm afraid. You know, have you ever made an excuse that, you know, when somebody says, could you, you know, uh, go and do something, you go, well, I'm not very good at it or I'm not, not, you can find somebody better. I'm the least that you should be asking to do it. What are we saying when we make excuses like that? We're saying we're afraid of the task that you were to do. We're afraid to step up and do it. But you see that actually what is happening is that God is giving a huge task, one that would require Gideon to trust in God for its completion. And Gideon is afraid. He is fearful. He didn't think that he was up to the task. And so what he does 
is something that helps us when we are in the spiritual battle of fear. And this is what he did. He tested God. He tested God when he was fearful. You know, when there's a spiritual battle going on inside of us, fear gets the better of us. It got the better of Gideon. See, the devil, you know, and we, we, don't, we tend not to use that word because, we go, oh, should we use the devil? Should we name it? The devil, the opposite to God, wants us to be afraid so that we become paralysed. So we say, I'm not up to the task. Don't send me. It's not me. I don't want to do it. We might not be asked to fight an army just as God was asking Gideon to fight an army. But when we step out into the world outside of this building and we're afraid to stand up and say that we are a Christian, to stand up and pronounce that we have faith, that we go to church, that we believe in Jesus Christ, then we are in a fight. And the world is disregarding the name of Jesus. We are fearful of what's going to happen. Fear is stopping us from doing what God is asking us to do. So, Gideon tested God. Let's have a look at it. What did he do? Then Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight and if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you have promised. And this is just what happened. When Gideon got up early in the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, because he wasn't quite satisfied with that, he went, well, yeah, the, the, the wool might have held the water and the ground might have dried up. He wanted, I want to test him. I really want to test God. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece once more to test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that not God asked Gideon, did as Gideon had asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. See, the thing is, when we come to this, testing actually helps us overcome our fear. So the biggest fear that Gideon had was that God had abandoned his people, was no longer there and had no more power. And so Gideon asked God, he tested God for a sign. And the sign was whether the the fleece he placed on the ground was either dry or wet, opposite to what was going on with the ground around us. The thing we need to understand about this testing that Gideon did is that it helped him to actually step up and do what God was asking. So the problem that a lot of people have when we when we actually ask God for a sign is that sometimes we treat the stories in the Bible like the story of Gideon. We treat them as fact rather than, and, and we treat them not, not as fact but as, 
as fact of promise, that God is going to promise to give you a sign if you ask God. They are not signs when we read the story of Gideon. They are not promises that God will give you a sign whether you ask or not. But in that situation, in that time, God needed Gideon to step up and to trust. See, testing that God is with us is different to testing that there is a God. So often when people talk about testing, they, they go, well, you know, only God, can you build a wall that's big enough that I couldn't jump over? You know, or, or I want you to, you know, I want to believe in you, God, so make the lights flicker. Or if you're really with me, God, take this away from me. You know, we, we give a test so that we can find out whether God is really there. When we test God, when we ask for a sign of God's presence, of, of God's providence in our life, we're actually asking because of what God has done. God, what God is asking us to do. It's not a test to see who it is, but it's a test to make sure that God is with us. It's okay to ask for a sign, but don't necessarily expect it always to be there because having a sign from God is not a promise that Gideon was given. It's not a promise that, you know, that God is giving us. But God will have signs in your life that we can follow. But see, the funny thing, when we start to think about signs... See, often people ask for a sign, an indication from God. But even when they ask for an indication from God, they still won't be convinced when they see it. See, a sign is only useful to guide a willing heart. But it will never, or reluctantly, it will change a reluctant one. It won't change your heart if you don't believe in God. Gideon had a willing heart to do as God had asked. He wanted to do that. But he was fearful and he wanted to overcome his fear, so he, he asked for a sign. He tested God to see whether God was truly with him. And that sign was only part of the spiritual battle that we have with fear. See, when we test God, it's, it's not about, I want you to do this, but delve back into the Bible and see what God has done in the past actually step into the promises. Step into the promises that God actually does give within the Bible and let them be upon your heart. If we read Ephesians, you will find that there are the, the whole armour of God which helps us in this battle. And I want to delve into that today. But it helps us when we understand the Bible and we know the promises that God has made and we apply them within our life. But see, what Gideon didn't do is he didn't just test and leave it there. It wasn't a test to see whether God was around. It was actually a test to see whether God would be with him in the battle in the task that he bond. And once that test had been there, what did he do? He trusted in God. See, testing leads to trusting. 
But Gideon, the test led to the trust so he could go out and do this big thing. But what did the trust actually have involved in it? See, for us, and I just, I, I, before we go into Gideon, I, I just want to actually break it down for us. I want to break it down for us in our, in our thing when, if we are afraid to share our faith, the spiritual battle of, of not being willing, not able to share our faith, what we should be doing is we should test, we should pray, and we should tell somebody this week, if you're afraid to say that you're a Christian, you're afraid to step up for your faith, I want you to today pray for the person who's going to come across you this week that has not heard about Jesus Christ. I want you to pray and ask that you will have the boldness, the trust, the lack of fear to tell somebody that you actually went to church today. And see, when that comes about, and the worst they could do is go, oh, well, the worst they can do to you here is, is maybe not like you. Maybe go, well, why would you want to do that? It's nothing to be afraid of, but we are afraid of it. And from that, from that point of stepping up and testing, we need to trust. So let me give you another illustration. Is anybody afraid of heights? There's a, there's a couple of people afraid of heights. That's okay. Um, you, you're in with a great lot of crowd around there. People are afraid of heights. I, I could say, are you afraid of spiders? Arachnophobia. You know, um, yep, there's a, there's a few more there. Uh, <laughs> but see, we, we're afraid of all sorts of things. But say you're afraid of heights and you're on this walking trail and out in front of you is a canyoning you need to cross and there's this wire suspension bridge, you've got to walk across it. And you're afraid of heights and you've got to look down, you know, it's those one of the things you've got to look down. What do you do? Do you stop and turn around and go back? Are you afraid? I don't want to do this. Don't I can't do it. You know, the testing of it. The testing of it is put your foot out on the first plank and put a little bit of weight on it, isn't it? That's the real test. Are you going to trust the strength of the bridge? Are you going to trust what's there? Some people go, no, I can't do that. It's very funny. Have you, you know, over the Grand Canyon, they have this uh, horseshoe loop of glass that you can walk out onto. And you can see people that are like, um, they step out onto it gingerly, they're hanging onto the metal railing and they're walking out and, you know, and, but they, they're still, they're willing to trust that the glass is not going to break. They're willing to trust, even though that they have a fear there. There are some people that stand on the edge and go, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, and eventually just get to the point that they can't do it. So the thing is, you've got to learn to trust. You, you put that little bit of test in, you test whether God is with you. It's the same when you want to tell somebody about, about Jesus Christ. Test. Tell somebody you went to church. See what happens. And trust God will be in that midst. See, trusting, when we test, and God will answer. Then we can trust and God will follow through. So what did Gideon do? See, Gideon placed his trust in God for the victory, but God said, I don't want you to just work on the basis of your own strength. 
The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast that to me that they saved themselves on their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them, that's quite a lot, isn't it? 22,000 of them left, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them. That's the word, testing them. Test them to determine who is going to, who will go with you and who will not. And when Gideon took the warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. The one group put all of those who cup the water in their hand and lap it up, get water and lap it up, uh, with their tongue like dogs. And the other group who kneel down and, and basically put their face in the water to drink, divide them into two groups. And there were only 300 of the men who drank with, from their hands. And the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. Then the Lord told Gideon, With the 300 men I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So he's taken 33,000 and whittled it down to 300. Amazing big thing. So Gideon collected all the provisions, the ram's horns of the other warriors, and sent them all home, and he kept the 300 men with him. And the Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. See, Gideon had to really trust that God was going to complete, but he tested God. He'd asked God for this test that God was going to be with him, and so he actually had to trust that God would bring about the victory with even reduced numbers. See, that is a great sense of trust. When we are in the spiritual battle of fear, we need to be able to ask and be testing that the fear is, can be overcome, that the thing that you are afraid of can be overcome and that you need to trust God. Gideon trusted God completely. He'd seen enough to be convinced that God was with him. And that's what God asks us to do today. Jesus tells us, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? See, how many years must God provide for us before we're convinced that he will supply all our needs? And secondly, we, we notice that Gideon was obedient. When God had instructed him to go, he went, even though he was afraid. Because the thing is, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being afraid but proceeding anyway. See, we are all in spiritual battles within our lives. Some of us may have this spiritual battle of fear around talking about Jesus Christ to those around us, in the world around us. And, you know, in, in, in the world around us, in Australia right now, saying you're a Christian, saying you go to a church is not the easiest thing, especially with what has happened in the news this week. A friend of mine... Um, who's, a, who's a minister, was, and um, he actually, for part of his job, because he works as a chaplain in an area, he has to wear a dog collar, you know, the shirt that looks like you're a... Um, and he was on the train wearing that, 
And people actively got up and moved away from him because they were afraid of the stature of somebody who works within the church. We are in a spiritual battle at the moment that has consequences in our world. We're in a spiritual battle when believers are not sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. They're afraid of what people are going to say or think about them. This fear is the number one list, really, a fear of what people are going to say and think about them and that I will lose that person, that someone close to me is going to be lost. What happens if I tell a friend that I'm a Christian and they no longer want to be my friend anymore? What happens if they want to ridicule me and not be around me? So I don't tell. See, we are in a spiritual battle to be able to tell those around us about the good news of Jesus Christ. See, God doesn't want us to live in fear. He doesn't want to let us be paralysed by the fear in front of us. God wants us to live in trust and in hope. So let us just pray together. Let us pray for courage. Let us pray that we may not be afraid. Let us pray that we may trust in our Lord God Almighty, a gracious, loving God. Today, many of us have fears in our lives. Some of them are physical fears of things that we are to do. But so often, there are fear of what others think of us when we say we believe you knew Jesus Christ. Lord, today I ask that that battle, that spiritual battle over our fear of what others think and who we are, think of who we are as Jesus' followers, may be put aside, may be overcome. Lord, may we ask that you give us the courage and the willingness to go out and preach and talk about the name of Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world. We ask this in your holy name. Amen.